That is the sound of exploding death and trauma, of which you're going to hear plenty of today. Hello, I'm Nick Amell, I'm the host of the Tennis Podcast, the show where every week we guess each other's top tennis lists. Today I'm joined by regular sidekick host at this point, uh, Brad Choma from the Doomsday Podcast. Brad, how you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Have you exploded any time recently? I was really worried about that. I'm waiting for the shockwave to eventually wash over me. That was good. <laughs> the shockwave's going to make its way all the way over to you. Fuck, that's funny. See, this is why we have you on the show. Insight like that. <laughs> if you're listening, you might remember Brad from a few episodes he's done. Most recently, episode 174, where I quizzed his Canadian fucking ass on the top 10 largest cities in Canada. He didn't do great. I did all right. Nope. Brad also was on a disaster episode, episode 164, and that's because he's a bit of a disaster expert. He's the host of his own podcast called Doomsday, uh, History's Most Dangerous Podcast, one of my favorites. Everyone should listen to it. I'm going to put a link in the show notes. But Brad, tell the folks like two or three just fun facts about you, kind of random, off the cuffs, something people might not know about you. Okay, I literally just told this story less than five minutes ago before we started recording. Okay. Uh, there was a uh, girl on Twitter that I knew, and her pet rat died. Pet rat? Pet rat, yeah. Okay. I told her that I had a pet rat. Years ago, I had a pet rat. I kind of inherited a rat. It was um, Ratso. He was an actor, a professionally trained actor. And Holy shit. Ratso? Yep. They were going to yeah, feed him so to a snake. And that uh -huh. was going to be his finale, but instead, he was rescued by this girl who then couldn't keep him, and then I kind of inherited him. Fast forward... Rats develop cancer easily. They have a, their physiology is actually not that different from ours. That's why we test on them. And Ratso was really sick. And it was Christmas night. And I stayed up mm. all night with this rat on my chest. And he kept going. <laughs> why are you doing this to me? And I'd say, sweet prince, it's okay. Go to your rest. And then he'd, <laughs> and then he'd just sit there and tremble. So I took him to the vet. And I said, please take care of my poor rat. He needs help. And they euthanized him. Okay, sidestep. I had not cried in a long time. And when I tell people this story, I tell them, because I'm trying to teach them, the importance of letting out your emotions every now and then. When Ratso died, I lost it so hard that they had to take me out of the clinic with my jacket over my head because I was upsetting everyone there. Yeah. All the doctors... All the animals, everyone in the waiting room. You're crying about Ratso. Oh, I was losing it about Ratso. No, Ratso! Oh, God! Oh. No! Uh, wait, how old are you here? I'm 49. No, not today. Oh, you mean back then? Yes. <laughs> I was... God damn. Wait, you're 49. I don't know if we can have you back, Brad. 29? <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's ageism. I'm going to own this show soon. <laughs> well, how old were you back then when, when Ratso uh, gave up the ghost? Like 29? Okay, okay. Yeah. So this is a true story. That's a true story, and I don't even mind sharing it. Like, <laughs> they're basically yeah. begging me to go into my car. Please go home. You're too upsetting. It's on us. <laughs> no no charge. Was that the last time you saw Ratso? Yes, uh, it was the last time, because in my grief, they were able to talk me into cremation services, and then we bounced out of our lease from the, the place that we were in at the time, so somebody else got Ratso. Oh, good. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. First of all, Ratso is like, I've never heard a more perfect name for a pet ever. <laughs> Fucking love the name Ratso. Secondly, be honest. This is a safe space. Did Ratso ever find his way inside your body? Just the mouth. 
Okay, just the mouth. <laughs> I mean, inside the body, just the mouth. Over the clothes, under the clothes, but only only oral. Okay, great. Well, and we do, listeners and myself, have to remember to take everything you say with a grain of salt because you could have dementia since you're about 49 years old, which on this show is <laughs> fucking like, wow. And I just warned my audience, apparently, according to science, dark humor is an indicator of future dementia. Yes, I saw that. It was a tweet, I think. Yeah, that's great. That's We're awesome. Fun. Yeah. <sighs> well, there's going to be plenty of dark humor on this show. Thank you for making yourself vulnerable and sharing about Ratso. Rest in peace, Ratso. Wish I could have met him. Okay, one more thing. When uh, sure. the last time I had to cremate an animal, it was my poor, my poor beloved Oxford, Oxford the English Bulldog. And when they told me to come in to collect his remains, they gave me a bulldog-sized urn, which is, <laughs> it's massive. And uh-huh. I just went outside and I sat there and it just hit me and I started crying. And this little old lady from Estonia or somewhere came up and put $5 in my hand and she just went, oh, little. she wanted to do something nice. She didn't know how yes. to, she wanted to interject herself somehow, but I was just <laughs> sopping outside of that for the second time in, uh, in as many stories. Yeah. Yeah. That's two, two out of two stories, 100% rate so far of you, of you crying <laughs> pathetically, but I get it. Losing a pet is very hard. So yeah. And what'd you do with that five bucks? Do you remember? Do you buy another rat? <laughs> All right. Well done. So speaking of dead pets, what kind of disasters are we going to cover today? Yeah, it's going to be some death today. And Brad, I was going to ask you, you host Doomsday. I do. It's a history podcast about disasters and events that led to traumatic experiences for people. It do. How would you boil down, if you could boil down your show into just one word, what word would you use? Can it be hyphenated? No. Besides but. Can't use the word but either. A single term for the podcast. Yeah. I'm going to say show? I'm ah. going to say, I'm going to say, oh, no, that's closer. I'm going to say death. I was going to say personal pain, but let's do death. Personal pain, two words. There's a lot of death on your show. That's one of the reasons it's so great. And today we're going to talk about death and death of who, Brad? Death of you, death of me, death of us all. Because today we're talking about the top 10 upcoming natural disasters that scientists think are most likely to wipe out humanity. Nice. Oh, perfect. Or at least a large section of humanity. Yeah. Oh, it's not even my birthday. That's great. Let's do it. (laughs) Birthday come early. This is the uh, top 10 upcoming natural disasters. I pulled this from the New York Post. The article they have is uh, from 2020. It's called the next mega disasters that could happen at any moment and kill us all. So these are impending disasters that are actually threats on Earth. So for example, you, your guess here wouldn't be like alien species comes and wipes us out. It would be more like volcano such and such is going to blow up at any time. You understand? Natural disasters. Yum. I also pulled some stats from the US Geological Survey, the National Park Service, and Wikipedia. Bradley, did you know that due to climate change, human activity, and other factors, natural disasters are becoming more and more common? Some could be worse than others. And according to this article from the New York Post, these are the top 10 natural disasters that are due at any minute that could devastate the world as we know it. What is that fucking noise? Is that your dog again? That is my dog again. He's trying to claw his way in through the ceiling. That's Bob. Oh, he crawls at it. Or he scratches at the floor? Yeah. Because he's nuts. Okay. Sorry, listeners. Sure, no, that's a... <laughs> look, I mean, how much 
First, you had Ratso giving mm-hmm. up the ghost mm-hmm. and you were a fucking mess at the vet. And then you had the English bulldog die. And by the way, Ratso's ashes could be anywhere. Could be anywhere on the planet by this point because they went to someone else that moved into your home. They could have spread them at the Washington Monument. They could have spread them in the ocean. We don't know where Ratso ended up. Is that fair? I could have gone back. I know exactly where he ended up and I could have gone back and got him, but I decided against it because it's awkward as hell. And uh, yeah, I didn't want to just cry in some stranger's doorway. Yeah. It's not so bad. I've done it a few times, but also it could have been emotionally trying for you to reconnect with Ratso. But anyway, you told us about Ratso, you told us about the bulldog, and now your dog Bob's trying to crawl through the floor. Mm -hmm. Are you cursed when it comes to animals? Yes, I've been bitten by every species of animal almost. I don't mean like Noah's Ark. I mean amphibians, Mm. reptiles, birds, dogs, cats, hamsters. Well, you're 49, so hell, you may have been Noah's Ark. Am I right, folks? I put on my time. I don't... You know what? I just got that. (laughs) You shouldn't have told me that. Ass. All right. Let's get guessing, Brad. So, tell me a natural disaster that is due at any moment on Earth. And this is ranked by... How is this ranked? Is it ranked in likelihood? I think so, yes. Ranked in likelihood. Nice. All right. Where to begin? Where to begin? Where to begin? Why don't we start local-ish? Sure. I'm going to start in Washington. I'm going to say, is the Cascadia subduction earthquake on this list? This might all be considered... Let me tell you what this is, and you tell me if what you're saying is included in this. Number five is what New York Post called the big one Mm -hmm. in California, Oregon, and Washington. Oh, they just lump it all together. They lump it all together, yeah. And it's because of the San Andreas Fault. It's always San Andreas Fault. Yeah, no, I agree. Fucking The Rock needs to take care of us here. Um, listener of the show, shout out Dwayne. So the big one um, is number five, the fifth most likely major natural disaster to fucking destroy this country or the earth as a whole. It has caused havoc and devastation in the past and it's predicted to do so again. The US Geological Survey has increased the probability of the likelihood of a magnitude 8.0 or larger earthquake hitting California within the next few decades. That's not that far away. Within the next few decades, you and I could be alive to see a magnitude 8 or higher earthquake in a hugely densely populated area like California. And oh, right here in the next part of my note is what you said. And let's not forget the volatile Cascadia subduction zone that covers most of Oregon and Washington state. Due to the massive population increases in these states over the last decade uh, and a love of high rises in their major cities, when the big one hits, gonna be bad. Yeah, so they're suggesting that whichever one goes first, that the, uh, the force being exerted off this thing would basically uh, free up similar and, and uh, closely or attached fault lines. Like dominoes, the, the coast would just fall. Yeah. Damn. What's scary, I mean, these are all going to be scary. <laughs> Spoiler. Isn't everyone glad they're listening? But what's scary about this one in particular, at least for us Americans and, well, North Americans, because Brad is very much a Canadian, not an American, just to be clear. But what's scary about it is it's here at home and it could happen at any time and not just could happen, they're predicting it very likely will happen in the next few decades. But thankfully, it stops right at the Vancouver, BC border. So if it ever does happen, just know, and I I speak for my people, like, okay, hey, come. (laughs) Come (laughs) We got space. Come on up. (laughs) Don't worry about it. You do have plenty of space. Because the U.S. Geological Survey study predicted that a magnitude 7.8 earthquake or higher 
along the southern San Andreas fault line could cause at least 1,800 deaths and $213 billion in property damage. I feel like they're, they haven't fully inflated that, that death count. I was like, thinking the same as I read it. <laughs> By yeah. a lot. That sounds really optimistic. Maybe they don't want to freak us out too bad. I imagine like 1,800 people dying under the wheels of electric cars of people just trying to flee eastward. You know what I mean? Like, um, So that was number five, the big one. What do you think is more or almost as likely to happen soon in the world? Well, okay. So this, I don't believe is going to happen soon, but I'm going to pick it anyways, because it's also very close and I'm just sort of doing circles out from ground zero here, so to speak. Sure. When you said that, that they've been saying, oh, the big one's coming. They've been saying that since before I was a kid. So, I mean, it's overdue. It's going to happen. It could very likely happen as small earthquakes and then build into something. But when I think of earthquakes building into something, I have always been fascinated by the Yellowstone supervolcano. Mm-hmm. I knew you were going to guess that one. Where do you think it ranks? Uh, I'm going to say low. I'm going to say somewhere between 7 and 10. It's actually number one. I'll get the hell out because we're so overdue. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Remember, these are ranked by likelihood, not by like death toll. Although, uh, yeah, I don't know where this would be death toll wise. We'll see. But Yellowstone Supervolcano is number one on the top 10. Well, I'm great. No. Sorry. I didn't know if you heard that. Let me repeat. I'm so, so good at this. Please continue. Oh, God. Brad, you just lost us a lot of listeners. Uh, they, they really don't like it when people on the show are full of themselves and pat themselves on the back. But then they really like it when you sing about it. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you a pass because of Ratso, okay? <laughs> but I can't give you too many more passes. Down from heaven, he's sending you props. We're all still recovering emotionally from Ratso. Ghost listener of the show. Well, we're all going to be ghosts soon because the Yellowstone supervolcano is imminent, just like the big one we were talking about a minute ago. Yellowstone number one. The Yellowstone National Park quietly sits on top of a supervolcano that is 44 miles wide. That's the largest volcano in North America. And even scarier than that, it's still active and could blow up at any time. Now, Brad, remind the fine folks at home, where is Yellowstone? Why is Yellowstone? What is Yellowstone? Who is Yellowstone? I haven't been to Yellowstone yet, but it is this giant plot of protected land. It sits in, I'm doing this by memory, Wyoming. I think it touches a few states, but mostly it does, in Wyoming. But it's Wyoming yeah. and not Nebraska. Montana. Montana, thank you very much. Wyoming and Montana are the ones that I think. Oh, and Idaho. It's got to be Idaho. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. Because there's a little circle where they all meet where you can commit murder in the forest and it's nobody's responsibility. That's a of fun course, loophole. Yeah. No, I know the forest very well. Yes. So the thing about Yellowstone. <laughs> By the way, Brad, I've been meaning to ask you, do you want to take a road trip sometime to this forest I know? Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. Um, the problem with Yellowstone is that theoretically Yellowstone explodes and you have a crater the size of not quite those three states, but massive crater. And it doesn't matter because all this magma is going to come flowing up. Some of it's going to fly around and it's going to land all over the place, but most of it's just going to come up and pour out, but it's the ash that's going to be the problem. So all that rock gets burned up, turn into cinders. Ass can never be a problem. Can't have too much ass, Brad. Oh, sorry. I'm burning a little ass right now. Your ass. So when the ash goes up and it burns up, it's super fine, uh-huh. like, like cigarette smoke fine. It's so, so fine. So fine. But there's so, so much of it. And I can't remember the, the stat, but basically it's enough to cover all of America in a, like a foot or whatever of ash. Like Jesus it's a lot, Christ. it's a lot, lot, lot. And the predicted yeah. pattern uh, would be basically all the way to where I live would be kind of 
where you could start to maybe try to grow some celery again or something. The thing that they never talk about with Yellowstone is that you have all this magma under the ground and it, under a volcano, you've got a ball. Under a mega or super volcano, you've got this giant, like an ocean. That ocean moves over time. Like the surface of the earth is moving independently of, of uh, stuff in the mantle. Sure, so sure. where a volcano is expected to explode, you can't always predict that because with enough time passing, the actual where the, the caldera would be could just pop up somewhere else. So if it's heading east, if it blew up mm, closer to the east, it would it basically yeah. sprinkler death across uh, America. I mean, it wouldn't even really be a country anymore. It would just be some kind of place that you go uh, disaster hiking or something. Like Canada. It's kind of an empty country. <sighs> All right. Where were we? <laughs> Isn't it amazing that something in one... The United States is a huge country, like land-wise. Mm -hmm. It's like the third or fourth biggest in the world. And this one volcano in this one spot can explode and cause raining lava like all the way on the other side of the country. It's just insanity. Now, theoretically, whatever happens after a volcano, it's the weather that de determines how uh, awful it's going to be. So if the weather was blowing west, then basically number five and number one would both screw the west coast solidly and oh, yeah. all the east coasters would just sit there and laugh or applaud or whatever. Terrible. Right. It'd be terrible. And then when all the West Coasters are died, the East Coasters go and take all their Nintendo Switches out of their homes. They're not going to need them anymore. That's true. All kinds of stuff they can take. Well, the, the Yellowstone Supervolcano, again, what's scary about it is, for all intents and purposes, it's not if, it's when. And we're overdue. I don't know what the plan is because <laughs> what do you do to protect against this? All the, you know, hundreds of millions of people live in North America and you can't just evacuate the whole country. I don't know what the plan is. But let me tell you a little bit about the history of this thing. The last big eruption from the Yellowstone supervolcano was 630,000 years ago. It's a long time ago. This eruption was more than 1,000 times larger than the 1980 eruption of Mount St. Helens in Washington. So many of us remember or have heard of this 1980 eruption in Mount St. Helens. It was really a devastating uh, volcano. But this one 630,000 years ago was 1,000 times larger. But before that, an eruption over 2 million years ago coated over 5,700 square miles with ash as far away as Missouri. Wild, right? I mean, yeah. 630,000 years ago, I was seven? Yeah, I was about to say, like, yeah, I was going to ask if you could have first-hand account of what it was like back then. Yeah, we didn't have cameras or anything. So, <laughs> no, just, just... Are you sure? 630,000? Yeah, I guess you probably didn't. <laughs> so, we just passed down all our stores orally. Right, like you and Ratso. Like me and Ratso. Ratso and I. <laughs> yes, true. There was an author of a book called The End Times, Brian Walsh. He wrote an op-ed to the New York Times, and he said an eruption of this supervolcano would be like nothing humanity has ever seen and be an ultra-catastrophe that could lead to global devastation, even human extinction. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you see how small the causes are for war that changes the world? Can't imagine what would happen if the earth just like farted out, you know, a, a whole 10% of its size. You know what I mean? Like people would lose it. They wouldn't know what to do. And as far plansmanship in this day and age, we've, it's been proven. There's no such thing. There are no plans. I think they just sort of. Right. Cause they can't predict the, the eruption. No. And there's no force on earth that could prevent it. There's nothing you could do. So. Yeah. In that case, like if you're like uh, a scientist person, right? A lot of them are listening to the show right now, I'm sure. 
and you know this volcano is going to blow someday. You don't know when. The reality is that America, or at least a good chunk of America, will just cease to exist, right? Yeah. Like, that's the reality? Functionally gone, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's scary, right? It's like, you can't do anything about it. Yeah, it's just Mother Nature, man. She's a mad scientist, Jerry. <laughs> but the good news is, according to the National Park Service, the supervolcano is likely to erupt again in the next thousands of years, not the next hundreds, but more likely than is a, a small eruption that leads to lava flow. So they think that this thing will blow, but probably not for a couple thousand years. Yeah, I mean, so that's something. could probably go buy a lottery ticket every day for the rest of your life, and you'll, your chances of winning that are greater than this thing going off. In the short period, in that short window of time where you get to live on this planet, for that thing to pop off, your odds are, I don't I mean, Jesus, only you could have yeah. that kind of luck. Only I could have that kind of luck. Oh my God. Can you imagine me sitting there crying no. as the whole sky is just turning orange? Yeah. And there'd be no veterinarians to console you in that case. They're all dead. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you wonder though, say that humanity's still here in, let's say 10,000 years. And let's say this super volcano still hasn't blown. In 10,000 years, are they still thinking about it and saying like, hey, maybe we should get off this, con this continent before this thing blows? Or do you think it's kind of just out of sight, out of mind, and no one's going to ever prepare for it until it's too late? 100% out of sight, out of mind. Okay. I don't think anybody would ever just fence it off and, and you know, just walk away with their hands in the air. Like, oh, that's good. Well, it's <laughs> kind of like the movie, the Netflix film, uh, Don't Look Up. It's a lot like that, right? Not that they can predict when it will come, but like if 10,000 years passes and it still hasn't blown up, like, I don't know, we should think about getting out of here. The pre-documentary, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So actually, you know what? You just raised a good question. I'm known for that. Is an asteroid impact on the list anywhere? It sure is, but it's way down at number 10. Oh, damn. That's still good. Don't... But do I have to guess its name? No, there, it's not specific. It just says asteroid. It is number 10. So, according to the New York Post, it's the 10th most likely of these natural disasters. It says, how are the dinosaurs died? They gone. And many scientists attribute this extinction to an asteroid strike in the Earth. If one were to hit us today, it would have similarly devastating effects. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, according to the website How Stuff Works, they say in 2028, the asteroid called 1997XF11 will come extremely close to Earth, but will miss the planet. If something were to change and it did hit Earth, what, would you, have, what you would have is a mile-wide asteroid striking the planet's surface nope. Nope. at about 30,000 miles per hour. No. An asteroid that big traveling at that speed has the energy roughly equal to a 1 million megaton bomb. No, thank you. It's very likely that an asteroid like this would wipe out most of life on the planet. Most. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, when you're playing, uh, like, think about how, how unlikely it is that Earth and humans and life even exist at all, right? It's just like, it was like, uh, just chance that it all happened, I believe anyway. And so, you have to think that over the next however many millions or billions of years, someday, maybe much sooner than that, but at least in that time, an asteroid is going to hit the Earth. It is going to happen, but humans will probably be living on Mars and shit by then, maybe. No, oh, that would be nice. Well, actually, I don't know. I think, it'd be, I think your, your odds of getting smucked by an asteroid are much larger on Mars. Maybe so. When you think about stuff in space, they, they've got the uh, James Webb telescope up now, and a piece of dust hit it and blew a hole through it like it was shot by a 50 caliber bullet, right? Is that right? Okay. 
the smallest little thing in space can travel at speeds and it doesn't even need to, but it can it can exert so much force because of the speed in spite of its tiny little mass that it can do catastrophic damage to stuff not in our atmosphere. Sure. Most stuff that comes in our atmosphere, you know, it's got the the air resistance, creates the friction, heats it up. Asteroids will melt, they'll burn, sometimes they explode depending on their composition. You remember a Simpsons episode where they screwed up their environment so bad that an asteroid came to wipe them out, but the the uh, air was so dirty that it basically just burned up into something the size of a softball and just landed gently at their feet? Now that might be not that unlikely. <laughs> I'm, wondering. <laughs> I'm wondering. Yes. I guess the thing is, with asteroids, we spend so little time thinking about them, and we spend so little money doing anything about them, and we generally don't even notice most of them until they're pretty much right here. So if something is traveling... And they're flying all around us all the time. They're flying all around us all the time. And if one just entered our atmosphere out of nowhere, what are we going to do? Nothing. I mean, most of the it's world... the movie you, Don't Look Up. They don't, you don't have enough time to do anything about it. Yeah. And, and the thing, too, is that people don't think about disasters like super volcanoes or asteroid impacts. Once that happens and electrical grids fail... And now there's no more flow of information. Mm. Unless you were there and watched it explode, you have no idea why the Earth is over. You're right. You have no clue. The sky will change color. It'll get colder. It'll get hotter. You know, uh, tsunamis might flood in. Whatever happens, you will never know why you died. Or you will never know why you're, you know, a caveman farming on your front lawn now, like subsistence farmers of the apocalypse or whatever. Yeah, it's true. I mean, you don't think that from anywhere... Well, I guess I was going to... I answered my own question as I was thinking about it, because if you're standing on the, let's say the, if you're on the earth facing east, but the asteroid comes from the west side of the planet, then you won't see it, right? Because I think cinematically, you'd think, well, everyone on earth is going to see this asteroid as it's coming in the atmosphere, but actually, no. Even if it hits, you can, uh, on YouTube, you can watch the, uh, oh, damn it. What is the name of the asteroid that wiped out the dinosaurs? It's in uh, the... I don't remember. Ah, the something peninsula down in Mexico. The Yucatan Peninsula. And when it landed, they modeled it. And so you can look, watch a video, shows the impact, and then shows how the energy is dispersed and how the water moves out of the way and starts to come inland on the states and mm. inland in South America and whatnot. And it takes forever. Like, it's not like everything just flies out of the way at light speed sure. and the whole plane, you know, it's not like Rathacon or something. It's, it's, uh, it takes time. Con! Con! Yeah. And you know something else too, not that th this is like the least of our worries by this point, but if an asteroid hits, let's say anywhere near North America, it's going to like trigger the fault line in San 100%. too. Yeah. And so like all this other shit will start happening. And the super volcano even, depending. You never know. Yeah. All that stuff just needs to get loosened up. And Dr. Buster's booty clap. His booty will just start clapping. You can hear that thing from a mile away. Will it already be clapping or is it just going to clap more because of the increased amount of wind? <laughs> Why am I picking on? <laughs> That's what we do. No, it's okay. You're doing great. Sorry, Dr. Buster. No, I think the booty clap is already in place because it's just like odds are at any given time and any given day, the booty's going to be clapping. It's just the way it is. But the velocity and the force with which it's clapping due to an asteroid strike will increase it so much that, I mean, honestly, his booty might lose a booty cheek in there on that. In it's case. the speed that you got to worry about. <laughs> yeah, of course. This episode you're listening to right now, you probably didn't know what it was going to be about until you saw it in your podcast feed, right? Well, I'm here to tell you that you've been missing out. 
because many of your fellow listeners knew the topic of this exact episode about a month in advance. That's because they're subscribed to the free monthly Tennis Podcast email newsletter. That's right. Newsletter subscribers are the very first to know about future episode topics. At the start of the month, the newsletter lets them know the next month's worth of episodes before anyone else. Not only that, but newsletter subscribers also get behind-the-scenes notes and news, exclusive blogs that you can only read in the newsletter, merch discount promo codes, and way more. And the best part is that your lazy ass can join the newsletter list in literally about 10 seconds. Just go to TennisPod.com newsletter right now. Pull up your browser on your phone, tennispod.com slash newsletter, enter your email address, and you're in. No personal info needed, and we only email you about once per month. Again, go to tennispod.com slash newsletter to sign up and join the cool kids who are already receiving the Tennis Pod newsletter. We'll see you in your inbox. You know, we were just talking about an asteroid in space. What's another kind of space-ish event that could happen soon-ish? Oh, gamma ray burst? Uh, well, that's not what it's called here. What do they call it? Uh, number nine is a major solar storm. Yeah, that's a problem. Yes. And, well, side note, we don't have to talk about this because it could lead us down all kinds of things, but... The sun will eventually die and go out. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> humans that. are on borrowed time. Unless we can get out of our own solar system, far away from our own solar system, eventually, could be thousands, could be millions, could be billions of years, humans will not last forever. I think everyone recognizes that. But like we can get to Mars and that's like the next step, but that's like far, far away from like where we'd have to actually get to, for humans to live forever. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a major solar system. Did you know... That in 2012, the year 2012, Earth narrowly missed being hit by a major, massive solar storm, the most powerful one in over 150 years. The last major solar storm incident happened in 1859, which created intense geomagnetic storms and causing global telegraph lines to spark, setting fire to some telegraph offices and thus disabling the, quote, Victorian Internet. The Carrington event. Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah. you know more about that? Tell us about it. Well, it's not so much that I know about that. I mean, you can listen to the story. I'll probably do the story one day. But what's interesting about it is if that had happened in 2012, we would all be post-apocalyptic road warriors. Like nothing would work. Yeah. Basically like an electromagnetic pulse. It's to supercharge the atmosphere. We'd lose all our electronics. We'd, lo- we'd lose everything. And I mean like permanently. And Now to be clear, are you talking about a solar storm or the booty clapping with Buster again? Oh, this has got to be the solar storm. Okay, okay. The only, the only thing I'm losing from a booty clap is money. <laughs> the $1 bills yep. in the middle of the booty clap. And drive space on my phone from recording, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> TikTok and it I have up. to delete some ratso pics first but, to make room, oh. but yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Please go on. What the hell was I saying? You, you just talked about electric magnetic poles. Oh, we're all going to die. Stories like this make you realize how kind of by a thread every modern society is hanging, right? Like you forget, like it's not just the solar storm itself or a lot of these other uh, natural disasters we've talked about. It's like the trigger point, the trigger events, right? The loss of electricity around the world, Mm -hmm. the not being able to get information to each other, Mm -hmm. parts of the world not even knowing why or what happened. Like it's all those like domino effects that are really devastating. Yeah. Literally anything on this list would just destroy society as we know it. Yeah. 
I mean, if we lose power for more than a couple of days, people start to go a little rangy. This is we're talking about unprecedented, uh, like of everything that we've done to evolve as a species in a societal fashion. You just throw all that crap in the garbage. And now yeah. it's about what can I do to make this water drinkable? You know, simple needs, simple. So can I eat that? Yeah. Can I wash my butt on that? <laughs> the answer is no. Oh, <laughs> see, you're fitting right in here on the tennis podcast, but everyone's uh, not getting the most optimistic, uh, futuristic view of the world through this episode. But like, it's just kind of a matter of time before something, some event or even like warfare, like human war, human event or natural disaster, whatever, something is going to cause modern society to collapse at some point, And we'll have to start almost all the way over. Just yeah, pretty much. When and where and how. Um, well, about this major solar storm, Daniel Baker of the University of Colorado, he says that, in my view, the July 2012 storm was in all respects at least as strong as the 1859 event that we talked about. The only difference is it missed. If it had hit, we would still be picking up the pieces, which basically just another way of saying what you said. If that had hit, we'd still be like we'd all feeling the effects of that. Yeah. yeah, 100%. A similar storm would be catastrophic, wiping out the internet and almost all communication and cause trillions in damages. Although in that, at that point, I don't think we care about the dollar amount of repairing buildings. We're just trying to like fucking survive. Pretty much. And the beautiful thing about that event is it's a global event. Yes. Because the atmosphere is global and it enters the atmosphere and supercharges it. And there's one thing worse and it's the gamma ray pulse that I thought you were going to say. This is really unlikely, but I know astron all the astronomers, so that's 1800 astronomers listening right now. Yes. They're going to go boom halfway through my explanation because there's going to be a little flaw here but whether it's a pulsar or a brown dwarf or whatever it is releases a ray it's like a spinning flashlight like on an old-fashioned police car picture a spinning flashlight and it's releasing gamma radiation like just gamma rays fun like a focused beam if one of those beams hit the earth it would fry everything flat like when you think of the earth as being half in daylight half in darkness the side yeah. that it hit Every living thing would basically just shrivel up and die. Every, every living creature would just drop dead. Every plant would just... It would be horrific. Nothing could survive. Yeah. Except on the other side of the planet. They get to be kings now. They're like, ah, right. beachfront property. What is the effects of like society? How does society react to that? Like the global society, I mean, you know? Oh, 100%. The first person's going to stand up and say, I predicted this. I am, you know, Zenu, uh, the whatever, and that's going to be us forever. He'll be the new Jesus. And then the Scientology lawyers come out saying, no, 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 Zenu's our guy. <laughs> that's our guy. Sorry, guys. I'm, I'm spelling yeah. it with a T and a Z, like Taziki. Ah. And Brad, we know you're a highly influential Scientologist. Thank think. you. Maybe. Well, I don't know. Probably not. Let's keep guessing stuff. Yeah, real quick, before you guess, we got number 10, Asteroid. Probably the scariest, but also the least likely, according to this. Nine is a major solar storm. Five is the big one, or the San Andreas Fault and all the other shit in California, Oregon, and Washington. And number one is the Yellowstone supervolcano. So there's another volcano on the list. Do you know what it is? Is it going to be Tambora? This volcano is in Indonesia. There's like 7,000 volcanoes in Indonesia, but I'm going to say uh -huh. it's not Tambora, or it is Tambora. No. Damn it. Uh, this is called the Forgotten Volcano, is its nickname. I forgot its name. <laughs> Fuck you. I win. Thank you for that. Ding. This is the Lake Toba Supervolcano, friend. Yes. Have you heard of this one? I have, and I was going to mention this earlier. Sure you have. 
Easy to say now. Sure, sure. Yeah, well, I'll just take your word for it that you were about to guess it. Obviously, it's the easiest time to say it. That's why I said it. <sighs> the Earth has more than one supervolcano. It's not just Yellowstone. I think there's three or four of them. I don't know. But we don't talk about them because we're just everyone's waiting for uh, Yellowstone to pop off. Yeah, Yellowstone's, I think, the one people talk about most, at least in this part of the world. But the Lake Toba supervolcano is right under it on this list at number two. And as you alluded to, Indonesia is called the Land of Volcanoes. The last one that erupted was Mount Merapi, which exploded in 2018. But there's a bigger threat to the countries of Southeast Asia, the Lake Toba supervolcano. It sits on Lake Toba, a volcanic lake that sits on the top of a huge caldera, which is a volcanic crater, which is still considered to be in the stage of resurgence. Yeah. Now, an eruption 75,000 years ago caused a bottleneck effect in human development in which the world's population dramatically shrank, according to scientists. Some believe this eruption caused a global volcanic winter with a 1,000-year-long cooling episode. So I think you alluded to weather earlier, but like volcanic eruptions affect the weather patterns on Earth. Oh, 100%. 100%. And I don't know this one as well as others, but when a volcano has... And I mean, lakes do form in volcano calderas, but when, a, when you get enough water in a volcano, once it seeps in, it can cause catastrophic explosions because water mm -hmm. turning into steam super fast, it expands way faster than you can think. I talked about this on our very first episode where you can take a mm -hmm. liter of water or a gallon of water and it'll fill a condo with steam in an instant. You do that with something the size of a mountain and, right. you know, maybe we're picking up some souvenirs here for all I know. This sounds like a super scary event, but at least it's on the other side of the world. Am I right? We don't have to fucking worry about Sorry, it. Sorry, did I just make it cheerier? You thought you were getting free stuff? And you're <laughs> like, oh, I thought this was a bummer, but now I'm getting free stuff. Yeah, well, it's like anyone listening that lives on that part of the world, and we do have listeners over there, they're thinking, yeah, the Yellowstone super volcano, it sounds awful, but we don't got to worry about it. That's their problem. And now I'm taking the opposite, like, we live over here on, in North America. We don't got to worry about this Lake Toba thing. It's all the way over there. Yeah. The day it happens and you're, and you're thinking, oh, you know, whatever, that's a they problem, not a me problem. But then you go outside mm -hmm. and everybody's wearing hockey pads and leather, you know, and they're siphoning gas out of your car and, you know, making examples by shooting people in the streets just to protect their families or whatever. Like, yeah, I think we lose it. <laughs> yeah, then, then it is my problem. You're right. And th this is interesting too, this next note. It says that, so remember, a second ago, well, several seconds ago, I said that there was an eruption 75,000 years ago from this volcano that caused a bottleneck effect in human development. So when this happened around 75,000 years ago, human population around the world decreased to only three to 10,000 surviving people on the entire planet. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. And we were kind of all located in the same area, area, areas back then, that long ago. Yeah, it almost wiped us out as a species. That was not nearly enough people to viably populate a planet. Now, somehow we banged our way through it, but... Yes, literally. We, you know, it, humanity could have just stopped right at that point very easily, very easily. Think of all the fucking these people. Like, 75,000 years ago to go from as little as 3,000 people to now, what, 8 billion people is insane. Crazy. The population growth trends have always fascinated me. So, look up, if you're listening, population in the 1800s compared to now. It's crazy. But, and the thing about humans going extinct from an event like this is it's, it's unfathomable to think about like humans ceasing to exist, but as soon as it happens, does, it, it happens and it doesn't matter anymore. There's no humans left to even take a record of it happening. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? At that point, it doesn't matter. 
It's just a blink of an eye and it's done. Everything that's ever happened in human history instantly doesn't matter and is irrelevant to everyone yeah, and everything. It's this wild existential issue where it's like, well, now I don't care about anything. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you? Again, aren't you glad you're listening today, folks? Yeah. That, well, okay. Here, let me flip that around. That's the only time in the recorded history of call it humanity where we've faced something that dire as a species is the worst thing that's ever happened to us was that volcano that volcano right yeah. yeah no you're probably right yeah and but we didn't have people in north america back then we didn't have people in south america like a super volcano goes off today their problem they're wrong place wrong time mm-hmm. uh today we would be better off there we wouldn't go extinct as a species if a uh if a super volcano popped but we would definitely be screwed we'd be unrecognizable by the time it was done Right. You think about how differently people acted after COVID. You know, that's nothing. That's nothing. Right. That killed, it killed a lot of people. I don't know what the count is now. Several million maybe worldwide. In the grand scheme, that is a small percent, very small percentage of the human population. Whereas this earthquake back then, and if it were to happen again, will take out a huge percentage of the population. Mm-hmm. And that volcano eruption 75,000 years ago, Only three to 10,000 people were left on the entire planet. And some genetic evidence suggests that today's humans, you and me, Brad, were brothers because everyone alive today descended from a very small population between one and 10,000 breeding pairs that existed after that volcano. It explains a lot, doesn't it? Yes and no. What's the no? I don't understand you or many people. (laughs) You're making my point. (laughs) Yeah. It says that this volcano, if it happens again, could cause a mega tsunami as well. And I say that because that's a good segue to give you a hint for another guess. What's a tsunami that we could be facing soon? The Canary Island tsunami? An unstable volcano in the Canary Islands. Yes, that's number eight. Caribbean tsunami is what they call it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, the Canary Islands are closer to Africa than than the Caribbean. So my note here says it's located off the northwestern coast of Africa, but it's directly threatening most of the Caribbean. Whatever yeah, it's kind of like a picture of a volcano that's like your drunk uncle and he's leaning over to one side. Sure. Very easy to think about. Yes. You know exactly where he's like, which way he's going to throw up and you can predict how much he's going to throw up. This thing, we know sure. what it's going to do and what's going to throw up. But what it's going to happen is half the volcano is going to shear off and slide into the ocean. And it doesn't take, this is a weird statement, but it doesn't take a lot to create a tsunami, meaning half a mountain falling into the ocean would create a tsunami that would race all the way across the Atlantic. It would swamp Europe. It would come back towards Africa, but it would destroy the East Coast of America. Right. Like, just wipe it out. That's why we, we don't let Dr. Buster near the coast. Because an errant booty clap could cause a tsunami as well, I'm told. Yeah, that one would be flying back. That would be flying towards Asia, Africa, Europe. Sure. Yep. You're right. Their problem. Not our problem. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that's a they problem, not a he problem. There's some other watery tsunami-esque disasters on this list as well. Are there any underwater volcanoes listed? Mm-hmm. Well, this doesn't specifically say that, no. Okay. Well, that's good. Hey! Yeah. Guess what, everybody? Okay, I'll take that. Enjoy the ocean. What about just the oceans in general, Brad? What, what danger lies in just the oceans themselves? Okay, so I did an episode where we discussed a hypothetical thing that can happen in the ocean where compressed gas from the bottom of the ocean would burp out and yes. <laughs> and basically extinguish, it would extinguish life. It would be carbon monoxide. 
and it would it would or dioxide or monoxide and it would just swamp everything is that on your uh is that on your list because that's a thing no but i i wish it kind of was because i want to hear more about that no what i have on my list as it can as it relates to oceans is just rising oceans oh see that's not really i mean there's such a weird line like disaster is such a spectrum yeah you know we're, we're talking mm-hmm. about oh we get hit by a, a meteor or you know kansas explodes whatever this is a slow this has been going on my entire life right and we denied it and denied it and denied it and it just kept going and going and going and mm-hmm. kept denying it and now it's undeniable but you know and it's too late you know what's done is done and we're all just gonna all boats are gonna rise or sink you know depending on how this goes but yeah that is that is a humanitarian crisis less so than a natural disaster i see well, what you're saying Actually, and you know what the funny thing is? It's, it's not so much like people just think, oh, you know, well, the, the water rises and now I can't retire in, in Florida, right? But it's not, it's not even mm-hmm. that. It's, it, and I mean, there's, you got your Pacific Islands that won't even exist, Vanuatu, these places that are basically at sea level. The thing about the oceans rising is that it does a bunch of different weird things that you never think about. Yes. You're flooding freshwater into saltwater, right? You're changing salinity, yep. but you're also changing ocean currents. And so right now we have this kind of swirl it's called in the Atlantic, we got a swirl that goes around and it brings warm water and warm, you know, warm air, warmer Mm -hmm. currents up to Greenland and into Europe. And it's the only reason that they're not freezing, freezing, freezing. But like right next door in the Arctic, it's, you know, minus 20. Yeah. And that's just based on ocean currents and the ocean currents are changing direction. And once that happens, you know, right now Europe is heating up, but if the ocean currents continue to change direction, uh, the United Kingdom and, and uh, part of the coast could be frozen solid, right? And we don't know yet because yes, it hasn't right. happened. And if you did know, no one would believe you. But, you know, we're seeing how weather patterns change. And it's these unpredictable patterns of change that are really going to screw us. They're really going to stress us out. <laughs> they are going to stress us out, yes. And they happen so slowly over time that we're like, oh, we, we think these things are flukes, you know, until they happen. You know, we have this uh, once, every, once a century storm, like every third weekend. It's an acceptance game, both mm-hmm. in accepting that this is an actual thing and get everyone to agree to it, which has got to be damn difficult. Is it not fucking mind-boggling that we even have to do that shit? Like, it's so frustrating. <laughs> like, the fact that we have to convince people of the facts right in front of them, of scientific evidence. The problem was somebody, somebody created the term global warming way back when, mm-hmm. and that was a massive mistake, massive mistake, because they should have said climate change yes. and explained it that way from the start, because if it doesn't actually get warmer, people say it's fake. But it's, it's not always going to get warmer. Some places are getting hotter, some places are getting colder, some places are getting wetter, some places are getting windier, you know. Your point is well taken, agree. However, that said, it's been how many years since that term was phrased? And it's been explained how many times you can go to someone that denies climate change and hand them the facts right in their hands, make it easy, break it down into easy to read words and sentences for them, and they will not accept it. No matter what evidence you provide, they will not accept it. So it's kind of like talking to uh, Trumpers today, right? It's like that think the election was rigged. No matter what you present to them, they will not accept it. So it's just, it's just like it's a frustrating thing. The only thing we can do as a society is wait for those people to die out so that we can actually get stuff done the political level. <sighs> but anyway, sorry. Here we are. Real bummer of an episode. Rising <laughs> Oceans is number seven. 
As Arctic glaciers melt at alarming speed, scientists have predicted that some 150 million people are now living on land that will be below the high tide line by mid-century, according to the New York Times. So, by mid-century, which is, we're recording this in 2022, so roughly 25, 30 years from now, 150 million people are living on land that will not be there because it will be underwater. That's not that long away, everybody. Most people listening to us right now will still be alive, including us, probably. Maybe not you. Uh, when this happens, when these highly populated urban centers along the coast are not there anymore. Yeah. Life's fun. Yeah. Major population areas affected by this direct result of climate change are the east and west coast of America, China, Thailand, and almost the entire country of Vietnam. Some islands, especially along the Arabian Sea, are predicted to completely disappear entirely by the year 2045. Basically, the Pacific Rim would be uh, really badly affected. And then scientists also added a comment that said, sucks to be you guys. They do that because they <laughs> yeah. all think they're getting the rockets out of here. They don't know we're just sending up tubes of sperm and eggs and trying to colonize some other planet. They, th they think they're going to be, uh, you know, Virgin Galactic uh, off to Jupiter or something. You're storing sperm at your house too, just like me. All, all the men on Earth are doing that, right? We're storing sperm for the inevitable end of Earth. Well, I don't actually have a plan for all the sperm that I'm storing, but yeah. Oh, I have a vat in my garage. Nice! Really? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> don't tell anyone. No, it's built underground, kind of like a bunker. You lift it up and it's just a huge vat, several gallons. You have a cum bunker? <laughs> So I'm ready. So if that volcano that we talked right. about, the Lake Toba supervolcano comes back and wipes out all but a few thousand people, just come to Nick's house. We're good. <laughs> Population restarted. Bring your own eggs. <laughs> Over easy. Because if you have an egg bunker, you're going to jail. But uh, Right. Let's not talk about that. We have enough depressing shit that we've talked about. You know what's uh, not depressing is picturing America reborn with hmm. thousands of Nick running around. Just fields of Nick just running through the fields, and you all look alike, you all sound alike, and you're right. repopulating, and each generation gets a little slowly stupider than the last. And You'd have a tennis podcast, yeah. and by a few generations, you'd have like a 112-ish podcast uh, all the way That's up. That's pretty great. That's pretty <laughs> great. Multi-part episodes, that's what we need. Yeah, now you're on to something. I'm writing that idea down. Okay, so you just need three left. One more quick recap, 10 asteroid, 9 major solar storm, 8 Caribbean tsunami, 7 rising oceans, you need 6, 5 is the big one, you need 4, you need 3, 2 is the Lake Toba supervolcano, and 1 is Yellowstone. So you just want me to pull some random awful thing out of my ass like I do? <laughs> uh, you could take that in a lot of ways, pulling random awful things out of your ass, but I'm going to assume it's not Ratso, and I'm going to assume it's another guess. Are there any more hints? Think about New Orleans circa 2005. What happened there? Are you talking about the escalation of uh, hurricanes and cyclones around the world? Yes, sir. Mega hurricanes is number four. Ching! Yes. Yep. The big hypothetical mega hurricane, which it's only hypothetical because it hasn't happened yet. Right. What would you rather be? Splattered by a hypercane? Or mm. slowly beaten to death by repeated hurricanes lined up, just smashing into the coast, one after the other, after the other, after the other. Hypercane. Easy. Get it over with. Hmm. It is cooler. For the viewing audience, yes. Cooler for sure. So what were you going to tell us about the hurricanes? I'm glad you asked, Brad. 
The Hypercanes. Hurricanes Irene, Katrina, Wilma, and Sandy. Why do they all have to have such old lady names? They did a number on the east and gulf coast of America, causing billions of dollars in damages and claiming countless lives. I think they should have flipped those. Countless lives was lost first. To make matters worse, due to climate change, which we all know is a big lie, the frequency of these monster storms is expected to increase. It's only going to get worse. Once a phenomenon that happened every so often, now occur almost every year with the worsening consequences. And lastly, as coastal cities grow, the devastation is expected to increase and science focus cites them as one of the next big natural disasters. Yeah. This one hits closest to home, I think. Because it's like this one we see every year. Repeatedly, yeah. Over and over and more and more and stronger and stronger. Yeah. And all around the world. Yep. Before earlier when you said... Um, you know, asteroid hits and it destabilizes fault lines, right? Or it, sure. uh, you know, starts uh, eruptions going. In this case, the hurricane, the, that's basically climate change. That's uh, the more water being added into the ocean from the glaciers and with the changing patterns of the ocean currents and whatnot, all of that is just contributing. So the one disaster leads directly into the next. Right. Booyah! Those domino effects that we keep talking about. Yeah. And before we move to the next guest, can I just get a pat on the back from everyone listening and you, Brad, for refraining and biting my tongue at every chance because there's so many opportunities for me to ask you how these hurricanes would be different if all the water was peanut butter instead. And I am just, I'm really trying to control myself this week. So Do you want to know? Some recognition. Do you want to know? I don't know if you want to start this conversation. I'll leave it in your hands. The reason that a hurricane can function is because water has a certain weight and density and the wind is strong enough to be able to pick it up and basically kind of turn it into flying moisture. Peanut butter is a non-Newtonian fluid. You can mm. tip over a jar and it's just going to sit there. So the first thing would have to happen is the ocean, if it was made of peanut butter, would have to be so hot that it would liquefy in yeah. order for the Coriolis effect of the earth to even begin to spin the formation of the storm. Because that's how big these storms are. They're actually affected by the spinning of the Earth as a whole. But if climate change continues to increase dramatically over several generations, eventually the wind's going to be strong enough to pick up even peanut butter in its natural state. Yeah, right? let's assume that it would. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it w obviously, the Tennish podcast has never been about fear-mongering. Uh, but, I mean, this is a great place to start. <laughs> whole new line of shirts. <laughs> let's get going. I tried to leave peanut butter out of it, but Brad brought us down this path and is very interesting brad thank you so much for that you're very welcome you just need number six and three what are you missing what am i missing so i'm i'm trying to picture the globe in my head and think where else are south we america. just waiting for something to go wrong south america yes sir god dang it is there a give me a clue direct me um there's a trench making it extremely vulnerable to mega thrust earthquakes oh is this in chile yes sir man you're smart oh the chilean yeah tells the name of the fault line yeah they they had um it was a 9.3 or something like one of the strongest and or long i think alaska was longer lasting but yeah like a, a real ridiculous earthquake uh the uh what what did you call it the, the name um, of the mega fault is the chilean mega thrust yeah. Which again, like, sounds like... <laughs> the Chilean megathrust sounds like something that Dr. Buster is going to be offering in the post-apocalyptic <laughs> wastelands. 
right. people will come to the sound of his clapping and <laughs> line up <laughs> to pay whatever they have. The booty clapping, you know, in this post-internet world that we're all going to find ourselves in, booty clapping will become like one of the primary ways to communicate over long distances, kind of like a bell or a, you know, sorry. like the way that you used to uh, like hit sticks, you know, or use a vuzel or whatever sure. at a distance. You know, yes, the clapping. And the clap, you just hear it very distant. <laughs> and the beautiful thing is after a session, just one session of, uh, of a Chilean megathrust, you are sexually fulfilled for a full calendar year. You're pregnant. You're good. When you're talking, I was picturing like a mountain, kind of like the Lion King mountain, you know, where we Mm-hmm. The baby lions held up in the sky by the baboon. Picture a mountain like that, but at the edge of it is Dr. Buster just on all Clapping. fours doing a booty clap. <laughs> Dear listener of the show, if anybody is able to animate this segment, that would be much appreciated. Oh, God damn it. This is good content. I mean, this is why, this is why they're here. That and the incredible death toll that a Chilean megathrust would have. It's uh, a West Coast earthquake disaster waiting to happen in Chile. The whole of Chile lies against the Peru-Chile Trench, making it extremely vulnerable to megathrust earthquakes. And according to Vola volcanologist website Temblor, it is clear to many of us that the Coquimbo region in central Chile has an unusual increasing seismicity that may be preparing the area for a very large earthquake near the end of the century. Yeah. And uh, they predict this would result in a devastating tsunami as well. Hell yes. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things like, I, I mean, obviously I don't have to tell people how earthquakes work. You've got your fault lines and they're kind of, they stick together. And as you, like, if you put your hands together and you just start to, this is such a non-visual medium, but if you He's can doing it on video, folks. try to imagine what I'm doing with my hands right now, once they slip, like, and they slip mm-hmm. apart and all that energy is released, a mega thrust it's uh how would you say this it's like a regular earthquake on crack i mean it's just such so much more potential energy to be released that Mm -hmm. the uh yeah you're definitely going to have tsunamis that part of the continent's quite thin too so i imagine it's basically coast to coast damage right right for all its neighbors and i mean again you've got that so-called ring of fire that goes around the pacific kind of starts there down by mm-hmm. Chile, then goes up the American coast and then the Aleutian Islands and over into the into uh, Asia and down and back around again. Yeah, yeah, it's not the place to be. It's not ideal. I think it's safe to say that if this megathrust were to happen, they wouldn't be eating chili in Chile. It's a very sad, bad joke. I acknowledge it. Yeah, you don't want to be there when that happens. And you also don't want to be in this particular tropical paradise at number three when this happens have you heard of a certain kind of slump sometimes you get in a slump as a podcaster brad like uh, i don't feel like recording today but some but this slump will lead to a lot of people dying and it's in south america again no 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 this is the united states Ugh, here we go but <laughs> a slump but not the continental united states which is about as big a hint as i can give you Oh, wait, is this something that's going to go wrong in Alaska by chance? Hawaii, actually. Oh! Do you know anything about disasters or... You know what? I was just about to brag about how well I was doing in this episode. Hmm. Hmm. Good thing you didn't do that. What's Hawaii going to do? It's the volcanoes in Hawaii are shield volcanoes. They're the ones who just slowly blorp and you can walk up to and... Blorp, yeah. 
they're not explosive. So I'm wondering what the, you might actually have me on this one. The Hawaiian slump. The Hawaiian slump sounds like a Canary mm-hmm. Island scenario. The Hawaiian slump sounds like how you're going to feel after eating a bunch of pineapple burgers in Hawaii. But it is the Halina slump, spelled H-I-L-I-N-A. On the south slope, this is number three. On the south slope of Hawaii's Big Island lies the infamous Halina Slump, the most notable of several landslides in the area, where every now and then there is a landslide that creates horrid tsunamis. According to The Independent, there is evidence that a similar collapse at nearby Moana Loa around 120,000 years ago generated a tsunami with a run-up height of over 400 meters tall. Nice. Tsunami was 400 meters tall. That's tall. That's thorough. According to an article on The Atlantic, towering waves crashing with the force of countless atomic bombs onto the coastlines of North America and Eastern Asia would be, would be the result of this. The Helena Slump is sliding seaward on top of the southern flank of the Kalawu volcano at an average speed of 10 centimeters per year, or 3.9 inches per year. So this thing is sliding toward the sea very slowly, just under 4 inches per year. But if it lets go... Right. If Damn, it lets I go, got, then, yeah. I gotta say, you see all these books behind me? These are not romance novels. It's uh-huh. very rare, but it's a, it's, a, it's a real treat when somebody tells me something that I haven't already studied. This is great. You're welcome. This is my true gift for my 630,001 year birthday. <laughs> you're bringing it full circle now with the yeah. 630,000 joke. Yeah. You're actually you're... older than that because you were like seven, you said. I was seven back then, yeah. So 637,000 years. Yes, sir. Recent undersea measurements show that an undersea bench has formed as a buttress at the forefront of the Helena slump, and this buttress may tend to reduce the likelihood of future catastrophic detachment. Whew. So this one sounds like it's mostly in check for a while, but eventually that slump is slumping. Can't believe the slump is going to slump and I didn't even know. And I guess a, a, most of it would have to depend on what direction it was facing, the, the actual slide. It sits at the southern flank of the Kalawa volcano. So I guess that doesn't tell us which direction it's facing. It super doesn't. But you know what? Honestly, it doesn't matter. Every tsunami that I've ever heard of or seen recreations of, the water just goes everywhere. I mean, it even goes backwards. So uh, yeah, water doesn't care. Yeah. (laughs) Water doesn't care. For some reason, I thought of Daddy Wasn't There from Austin Powers 3. (laughs) Daddy wasn't there. So yeah, that's something. That's a deep cut. There you go. (laughs) Well, Brad, you did it. You did much better than the last time you were on talking about your own fucking country and the cities in it that you've lived your whole life. You didn't do good on that one, but you did do good on this one talking about humanity's suffering. So there's that. Mm -hmm. How is that? Let's go back through the top 10. The top 10 most likely upcoming natural disasters to devastate humanity. And number 10 is an asteroid. At number nine is a major solar storm. Number eight is the Caribbean tsunami. (laughs) I appreciate this. Number seven is the rising oceans. Mm -hmm. Number six is the Chilean megathrust. Uh. (laughs) Uh. Was that Buster doing the booty clap? (laughs) No, just the thrust. That's what you're paying for. Number five is the big one. San Andreas Fault in California, along with Oregon and Washington. Number four is the mega hurricanes that are increasing every year. 
Number three, the last one we talked about in Hawaii, the Halina Slump. Number two is the Lake Toba Supervolcano in Indonesia. And number one, the thing that is most likely to devastate us, although luckily they think it'll be a few thousand years from now, is the Yellowstone Supervolcano. That doesn't leave me a lot of time. I'm very long-lived. If you're 637,000 years now, what are you? Are you young, middle-aged, old? Like, how much time do you have left, do you think? I mean, honestly, who can say? Who can say, yeah. I live in Canada. I have no stress. I could live forever. You know how we do? Yeah, I do. You don't know anything about your own cities, but you are very stress-free. Brad, if you could sit in a protective bubble, like next to God, let's say, like you're outside of the earth looking down on earth, and you could observe any of these natural disasters, which one would be most interesting to you? I think I'm going to go with Yellowstone. Hmm. It's such a fascinating place. Is that just because it's the one you're most familiar with? Probably because it's the one, it's the one on the list that would have the shortest flight. Hmm. It'd be okay. easiest for me to get to. Yeah, it's the most local. That's fair. No, I, that's fair. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably choose Yellowstone or the Lake Toba Supervolcano. Because that's the one that 75,000 years ago reduced humanity to just a few thousand people. You're just going to be sitting there with God eating popcorn and pointing and laughing? Yeah, and God's laughing too, because it's all part of his plan, by the way. I think an asteroid would be fun to observe. Again, on the outside, not on the inside. The outside viewpoint, watching an asteroid and how humans react is just... I don't want to live through it, but I wouldn't mind observing it. Well, I mean, that's the genuine truth about all disasters. They're so much more fun to watch from the outside. Correct. Yeah. We hope you're enjoying the explosive, deadly, brutal, traumatic, depressing content here today. That's what you can expect with Brad from Doomsday. But we're going to take a brief pause to kind of cleanse the soul a little bit. Stop thinking about the end of the world and humanity as we know it, because instead we're going to talk about podcast reviews. Yes, the moment you've been waiting for. I read reviews from listeners like you every episode. I'm going to do a few today. The first one comes from Ariel. This is on Apple Podcasts. Ariel says, Tenish is informative and hilarious. Can't think of a better duo. The Dino episode was very funny, and I always love learning new facts about one of the things I love. The Dino episode, I assume that's the episode I did with Lindsay Valenti, where we talked about the top 10 oldest living descendants of dinosaurs. That's episode 176. Really fun one. You a lot of interesting facts about modern animals and their historic beginnings on this planet. So that's a good one. Speaking of good ones, that was a good review. Thank you, Ariel. One more here comes from Simply Ambivalent on Apple again. Really great show. Enjoyed every bit of the episode, Most Haunted Attractions in America. Kind of a nerd for the paranormal. Easy on the ears and most of all entertaining. Well, I've been told my whole life how easy on the eyes I am, am I right? But it's good to hear I can be easy on the ears as well. Simply ambivalent, can I call you simply? Simply, thanks for that review. And you out there in podcast land, if you're listening, please rate us five stars on your podcast app, specifically Apple Podchaser or on the Good Pods app. If you rate us five stars and write a review there, no matter what that review says, I will read it on a future episode. All right, that's enough of a break from the destruction. Let's get back to my discussion, my destruction discussion with Brad. Brad, it has been a blast, per use, but I don't want this show to end without you giving a plug for your own podcast where people can find more of this sort of material. 
If you've enjoyed listening to our discussions <laughs> on this program, please feel free. This program. <laughs> please feel free to call in sick to work, to do a quick Google search for history's most dangerous podcast, uh -huh. and give it a listen. The whole point of our show is to breathe new life and explore disasters from throughout history and around the world. The criteria is that they're either bizarre, they're forgotten, or they're awe-inspiring. That is our mission, and so far mm -hmm. we have delivered 38 episodes to date. Yep. And we're looking for a few new listeners. And, and, if you work for an educational faculty and you were looking for a history professor, I am looking to jump ship on my current <laughs> employment. I will be happy to come in and discuss whatever. Yeah. Oh, and if you want to, and if anybody's looking to purchase a podcast, that is also an alternative route to me just being able to do the same thing. And as I pointed out, I will be happy to change it to the Mountain Dew Cherry Blast My Pillow Presents Presents History's Most Dangerous Podcast. Yes. Right. I'm right there with you. I'll sell out to anyone for almost any amount of money. It's true. But History's Most Dangerous Podcast, Doomsday, check the show notes for a link. And I'd say 9 out of 10, maybe 8 out of 10 of the disasters you've covered are some that I had never even heard of. Which is funny because, like, they're so fucking interesting. And sometimes hundreds of people die, but they're just oh, sure. like, they're undercovered. So it's just like, you'll learn something new while you're there. I guarantee it. So everyone should listen to it. Bradley do right kind of a disaster themed goodbye should we give our listeners okay take care brush your hair i guess that'll do i guess that'll do mm. well i appreciate everyone listening let us know what you thought of this episode you can follow us on twitter and instagram and facebook and tiktok and reddit at tennis pod i'll be back next week episode 188 mike sego from the link podcast will be joining me until then see you next time